This is the EPLOG audio experience. We are in the midst of what may be called a collective crisis. Collective because the world is in it together. We've gone back to basics, maybe minimalistic, simplistic living. It's also pushed us to embrace change and perhaps also bring about some positive change in our lives. We are connected in anxiety, in fear, in uncertainty. Can we also be connected in hope? Our guests today are global travelers and change makers who believe in bartering skills, bringing positive change and staying connected in hope. Welcome to Voice of Achievers with me, Yashika. We sit down with passionate individuals each week to try and understand their deep motivations, disappointments and stories from their life and career to help you navigate your life and your career. Let's welcome Anna from Poland and Andrea from Italy who've been traveling around the world collecting stories of change makers for over four years now. People who bring social and environmental change. They've visited over 38 countries and collected more than 300 stories, sharing them through their website exchangetheworld.info, as well as doing offline training and storytelling. They're sharing their story and parts of their experiences with change makers with us today. This podcast is filled with positive stories and hope. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you a lot. Also, welcome to India. <laughs> I think I want to begin by asking you all, what was the inspiration behind starting an initiative like this? Well, we always wanted to travel. We love traveling. And uh, we decided to visit as many places as we can. But we also decided that we uh, want to do it with the, with the goal, with the purpose. We don't want to travel just for traveling. And... Uh, we were like exposed to some change-making stories because of Anna's work mm-hmm. and uh, well, we really felt the power of those stories. Like you, you hear people, humble people that just do something incredible, like not, uh, you know, superhero, but just like normal human beings just, you know, taking action and changing the world. And we were so much you know, touch and so much energized by the stories that we decide, okay, like, I mean, this is powerful. We have to do it more and more often. So we have to collect the stories and tell the stories. And that was the incident. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. So uh, to begin with, when you began your career journeys, was this uh, something that you started off with or you started off with something else and then moved to this? Well, in this case, we have very different stories. So okay. for me, it was more or less in line. So I studied psychology and I was connected to social sectors since very early age. I was volunteering a lot, always interested in human rights and bringing social change. So, and then I started to work as a trainer, uh, working on soft skills and so on. So this travel was kind of continuation of, I would say, my career, which is very different from Andrea's experience, actually. Well, in my case, I come from uh, chemistry and I did uh, uh, research for several years. So I did a PhD and I was working uh, in, res- in the academy for uh, quite a few years. 
then I dropped it because I was looking for something that would like uh, be more in line with my values and uh, uh, use more the strength that I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up being uh, for a while in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a few years, you know, thinking and uh, going through myself, I came up with uh, with this travel with them. So this was a uh, quite a long process of uh, different experience, completely unattached to each other. Lovely. So tell me, uh, you began with psychology and you began with uh, chemistry. Uh, how have your experiences of uh, what you have studied academically helped you in what you do now? Well, it had, in my case, obviously, like being psychologist and working with people was very important. Although I have to say that I do believe that main influence of my life was outside of academy. So I was a scout, I was volunteering in uh, charities, non-government organization, and I think this is where I actually learned what I want from life. So university helped because psychology, human science is something which I still follow and it's easier for me to do training, work with groups and so on. But I would say it was not actually the key point um, in choosing my career and life. Well, in my case, uh, it gave me um, a few skills like uh, critical thinking and uh, uh, system thinking, uh, which are like, uh, you know, basic in, uh, in uh, scientific research and which I now apply in what we are doing and uh, on the other end, uh, well, the piece of paper itself opened uh, some door mm -hmm. so like, uh, you know, when you go around saying that you've studied this and that or you come from that or that university uh, it always helped a little bit and uh, in, on the other end, it was quite painful to leave it because once you choose a path and uh, somehow go through it and reach quite a few milestones, then uh, it's difficult to say, okay, just, this experience is closed, let's, let's go to the next level, let's close this page and go and go further. And uh, still today, sometimes some part of my family tell me, yeah, why didn't you continue and so on. But yeah, I mean, it's very important to do what you're uh, in line with. So. so what motivates you and what keeps you going specifically? Because you mentioned that, you know, there's still times in when the family says that maybe, you you know, would you still want to continue? Or, so there's a part of you feel that, uh, what if I did what I was supposed to do or what? Well, for me, it's really about kind of inner feeling. I know it's not very precise, but uh, for example, I remember just before we quit everything and start to travel, I was working for Ashoka, which is quite big and wonderful organization. And in theory, everything was great. It was job of my life, great people, meaningful projects. But I was waking up with this. It was difficult for me to start the day, you know. There was something inside me which was not completely satisfying and I had feeling that every day some small part of me is dying, you know. Okay. Although, I mean, everything was cool. I have beautiful projects and so on. And since we travel, I don't have it. I'm like, I just wake up and I know this is the way. And uh, I think that once you find this way, although this is the most difficult task we have probably in life, you just know this is the way. So, of course, I have sometimes doubts, some people criticize, sometimes I think, oh my God, maybe we should come back to the traditional career, but if I, if I really go inside myself, I know the answer, and I know that this is the way. So I think the moment you, you just feel in peace with your choice, you know that it was a good choice. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of social pressure from family, friends, or just society, which tells you you should go this way. Um, 
and a lot of us do, mm-hmm. but I think that we sacrifice really our full fulfillment and happiness, and at the end I believe that in our society needs more people who will go their way, because if we are happy and if we do what we love, we can be much more useful to society than if we do the work which somebody told us is good to do, but we are not really in line with Interesting. But then how do you deal with the financial aspect of it, especially with social careers or careers with social angle to them, especially when you said that uh, there's a lot of social pressure? Well, um, I would say there's few things to mention. So one of them is that something we are really interested in is social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So if you work in social sector, it doesn't mean you have to go to NGOs where, by the way, you can have all your salary, but you can also go for business, but business which brings uh, social environmental change, so so, so-called social business, which still earn money, you know, it's not that you cannot earn money on changing the world, you can. And for us, what was very important is to kind of understand that maybe we don't need that much at the end. And, you know, we are living now with one backpack, how many things you can have in your backpack. So we understood that, you know, enough is enough, and if I have few t-shirts, computer I can work uh, with, you know, I don't need much more, so maybe I can buy less, because... Buying is not only about money. To have money, you actually give time of your life. So I, I, for example, decided, okay, I need less, but I also want to spend less time in working and earning money and more time on doing things which um, I'm happy with. That So the truth is that I became minimalist and my needs are very little, mm-hmm. which doesn't have to be true for everybody. Of so course. again, there's yes. a way of social entrepreneurship, earning money and so on and so on. But I think we, we actually, these days, we have a lot of discussions about where is enough. You know, because we all want to have more and more and more, and maybe this is not the way anymore. Right. For me, so like, uh, the point is, again, understanding what is important for you. And then you will find the resources for that. Because there are like money, and again, as Anna said, money is a tool. Mm-hmm. So money would be, could be the tool to, to cover that, uh, that need or that uh, passion, but maybe not the, the only way. So how do you, all, how do you find, find your resources? What's your way? So again, what we thought, we, we thought, okay, we want to travel around the world, right? One way is to earn money for it. And we considered that one um, <laughs> for a while. <laughs> um, really, we had this idea that we go to Dubai, we earn a lot of money because in our career, like, you know, social sector or research, there's not really a lot of money. But then we thought, okay, but this is not really what you want to do in life. We don't want to work in big corporation, which doesn't do anything good for us and for the world. So we start to think, okay, what are the other ways we can travel around the world? And we figure out that we can offer people what we have already, so our skills and knowledge, just in exchange for a place to stay and food. Because if you start to think, what do you need when you travel? We need to have place to sleep, and we need food, and we need maybe transportation. So mm-hmm. we start to think, how can we get all these things other ways? Right. And uh, yeah, accommodation and food we just cover in exchange of voluntary work. So we would do workshop, we would do physically work on the farm, we would work maybe in libraries, we would teach English, um, just in exchange for places to stay in food, which not only make it cheaper, but also relation which we have with places we visit change completely because we don't come as a client, we come as a volunteer, as a part of community. Lovely. And this completely changed the experience of traveling itself. Mm-hmm. So I would say this is this is uh, mostly what we did. We did also crowdfunding campaign to start and now based on our stories we can earn some money or so coming back in Europe doing workshops so we can save a little bit for this thing we cannot cover with exchange like transportation or visas and so on and so on. And, uh, 
we didn't have exact plan when we started. We had a lot of hope and enough mm-hmm. tickets to come back in case it doesn't work. But you know, we do it since four years, so apparently, apparently it works. And we really have this experience that if you are on your path and you do things which you are passionate about, you also become became good at it. You know, opportunities will come. I like the part where you have, even if you have no plan, there's a lot of hope. Uh, uh, you've heard a lot many stories of change makers around the world. Tell us maybe two stories each that you feel inspired you the most. Well, uh, that's that's quite a difficult question because there are like, uh, many, many that are uh, inspiring and uh, it's difficult to pick one in particular. There is one that we are uh, particularly attached to, for example, from Thailand. Uh, a lady called Yoshi that started uh, um, a mobile library uh, to bring uh, literacy to indigenous people in the north of Thailand, which are not even uh, reading and understanding Thai because they have their own language but like because of that they are also like sort of like difficult to approach normal education system and so on and uh, you know this lady is from Japan she's blind and she's and still she was bold enough to pursue her goal and uh, start up this uh, NGO in a place where uh, you know she looked like uh, an alien to these people mm-hmm. So this was like a, a particularly interesting for us uh, because of the way she does and also because she's unstoppable. She really managed to achieve, you know, like a, a, a dream starting from a difficult part. And well, I was thinking about Laboratoria story from Peru because somehow I think this is connected also with careers and finding job. Yes. So in, in Peru, uh, well, I think it's quite similar to India. The problem is that if you want to have a good job, you need to go to paid schools. And not everybody can afford private schools, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there were a group of people who were thinking how to solve it, particularly for women, which very often end up in poverty. And uh, for them, the risk of uh, exclusion is much bigger. And uh, they wanted to help women which or didn't finish school or drop out of school or finish schools which are not good, not good enough to translate to good job position and they were thinking okay what kind of skill we can give them fastly and effectively mm-hmm. and quickly and effectively and in today's market what do you need you need programmers you need people who know IT right right so they created half a year course uh, for them so firstly they went to big companies and they asked what do you need from your workers what kind of I don't know script you know whatever what kind of IT stuff you need from your workers and then they translated it into like half a year course so women are coming every day, learning those things, and this is finishing with 48 hours hackathon. Uh, so the big companies are invited for this event, like Microsoft, Google, all the big companies which are in Lima, in Peru, in capital. And then a representative of each organization, each company, give uh, the team of five, six women a challenge, and they have 48 hours to solve it using their developing and coding skills. And during that time, this representative can see their like, IT skills, but also how they work in group, how they work under time pressure, how they deal with uh, challenges and conflicts. Uh, meanwhile, this person can also do interview with any w- women he wants, uh, which are all present in the room. And basically, after this event, 75 to 80% of these women get a job. Wow. 
And that started as an NGO, so they were based on donation, but right now they are transferring it into business. Okay. And then business model is that right now the companies are actually paying for coming for this event because for them it's a service. They hire the good, you know, good workers there in 48 hours and not three to six months as it's usually required. What else? These women who got uh, actually job pay certain 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 percentage of the salary back, so the other women can take part. So they don't have to pay for the course, but if they job, get job after, they give some percent of salary okay. back. So other women have this uh, opportunity, but only if they get the job. So it's not like credit or something. Right. And the third revenue is that those companies which start to hire these women realize that they are so good because they are taught practical skills, which mm -hmm. is not what is happening at universities. Right. So they are so good that the companies came back to laboratoria and asked, hey, can you train our workers? So they are as good as those women, you know? Wow. So this start to be self-sustainable system, which provides within half a year, you have professional job from being very disadvantaged to have really great job because they are so well-paid and quite flexible, right? Lovely. Uh, talking of social entrepreneurship, I'd like to uh, delve slightly into careers associated with social entrepreneurship. Since you all, you both have been so closely associated with this, tell us uh, according to you and specifically because you are globally traveling from so many countries, uh, tell us the kind of career options that one can look out for when starting out careers and looking out for careers in so uh, social entrepreneurship. Well, basically, you can do their everything because, of course, if you think about social, firstly, you think about people who maybe work with other people and the workshop or education, but the truth is that everything is needed. There's so much need of developers, of uh, people who work with marketing, like any other business, right? So whatever skills you have, you can actually look for it. And I really think that there's a really big need for people who know how to use technology, how to reach out to the audience. And, uh, and so on and so on. And um, there are a lot of startups or even bigger uh, companies already around who, if you have a social drive, I'm sure will be happy to start to collaborate. And India in particular is very innovative and a very entrepreneurial country. Yeah, like I, I was thinking that by now all this sort of uh, art skills are, are very important. So like how to um, one particular set of, uh, uh, of skills are very important, but like uh, uh, in the world of social entrepreneurship and, uh, and, and any job in the 21st century, you need also some soft skills which are like, you know, being able of collaborating, working in team, empathy. So this kind of things is something that like uh, would be nice to train and uh, just like be ready in the work market uh, uh, with all these soft skills which are like extremely important also like for getting a job. Very interesting, and I like that you brought this up because uh, along with these skills that you very recent that you just mentioned, you also uh, spoke about critical thinking and system thinking. Mm -hmm. Could you uh, you know delve a little more deeper into how one can look at developing these skills uh, when at the university level, so that uh, one becomes more job ready, work ready. Well, I mean, dream would be that uh, the institution itself like uh, provide a space for uh, for this, and this is like, uh, uh, yeah, like what should happen? I mean, a school as a first thing for me should learn, like should educate the kids uh, to to learn, so, yeah, like, should, and to learn uh, in a critical way. Uh, this not always happens, so like uh, these kids can be learned also through 
volunteering in other projects. I think that, like, uh, for example, in my in my past, I, I missed this uh, opportunity. I didn't catch it, but I I observing and meeting people. I realized that like uh, this is something that is very good space for learning. Mm. So. Uh, if you have the opportunity to collaborate with an NGO or with an organization or simply with a, um, an informal group of friends and do something practical, uh, this is very important to train those kids that like otherwise reading books are not really, um, uh, yeah, that there's no space for, for training. Interesting. And uh, uh, now that you've traveled across uh, the world. Tell us globally what, what according to you would be the three most relevant skills that one needs to have to thrive well, in any career. That's actually one of the questions we ask change makers as well. So, um, What are the responses that you get? Exactly. So, I mean, I would say that one of the first is always empathy. And being able to connect with other person and really listen. I mean, listen, I think that listening is one of the skills which we completely lost and is the most important. And this can go for NGOs, but also for business. If you don't listen to the needs of your customers, you will not be, never be able to, to address them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that being able to really listen for getting your own conviction and your own experience and really see the person in front of you, connect and empathize, this is number one. It doesn't matter what's the field. Number two for me would be teamwork and collaboration, so you cannot do things alone, or it would be very hard and not as effective. Mm -hmm. And this comes with number three, which is communication. If you yeah. don't have effective communication, you don't know how to express even the most brilliant idea you have, mm -hmm. it will just not go. So for me, it would be an empathy, communication, and teamwork. Lovely. You'd like to add to that? No, I think it's... Uh but if I can then add one more, <laughs> yes. would be also like kind of resilient and persistent. Okay. Because all the change makers we met, they, they fail a million times before they succeed, you know. It's never the way just up. Mm -hmm. And I think that the most important is to, to try again and try again and try again. I, and I think the only difference between success and, success and failure is if you try again. So you fail only if you give up. And I think this being resilient and being persistent and patient in what you're doing, it's also very crucial and something which in very fast words, we also forget of it. Hmm. There is a story that we uh, often tell and it's about the bakery in, uh, uh, in Vietnam. And they actually do a, a social enterprise in the sense that they give jobs to disabled people, with like people with different kinds of disabilities. So the core business is, uh, I mean, the core idea is to try to give job to them. But again, as she said, they, they were trying with different kind of business and like it took quite a long time till they finally figured it out. And finally they named their bakery after a donkey because they say like you have to be stubborn as a donkey and continue and persist. Lovely. Uh, lastly, I'd like to conclude by asking you what achievement means to you. Oh, that's interesting, right? Nobody asks so much. <laughs> what achievement? Like, I mean, for me, yeah, achievement, success is really something super subjective. And there is no objective way to measure. So for me, being happy and uh, being able to follow the life which I always dreamed about is the biggest achievement. And then contributing by bringing social environmental change is just natural consequence to it. Because if I'm happy, I just want to share this happiness with other people quite naturally. So for me, that would be the achievement. For me, achievement is something very hard to handle uh, in a way. 
because I agree with what uh, Anna said that somehow like uh, my definition of achievement would be actually to be able to keep on the right path mm -hmm. meaning that like uh, we spoke before about uh, trying to find to understand who we are and uh, and try to start from our values and vision and so on but this is not like a one-time you know effort you do it continuously as a process so it's yeah. like in time it will change and in time we have to follow what you are maybe your values are not the same now that what you were 10 years before because you're not the same person and so like being able to cope up with that that's an achievement for me because that's that lead to the happiness that she was speaking about although the challenge with, that comes with that comes with that is that uh, uh, if you if you um, live your life and your passion your work uh, that, and your job become sort of uh, your way of living and uh, you never do enough. You always want to achieve more. You want to always want to, uh, you know, beat poverty more and more or like save the environment more and more. Mm -hmm. There's not like a, a number of trees that will make you happy if you want to you know, green, the, green the planet. Being content with what you uh, are able to make uh -huh. as long as you are in that path, that's, that's the, the challenge. That's the achievement. Have you found the contentment? Oh, you're on that path. I'm, constantly, I mean, I'm on that path, you're but I'm constantly struggling. I want to do more all the time. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. So that was great chatting with both of you. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, we just hope that you continue exchanging, change-making stories and inspiring everyone else. Like, Thanks thank you. a lot. Thank you a lot. Thank you. And this uh, podcast uh, is being particularly hosted at the Daftar, an interesting co-working space in Pune. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on EP Log Media.